Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pierce. Once again, he is conspicuous by his absence. Been However, rotated. Yes, he's been rotated back into his house <laughs> um, to, to enjoy his new cat, by all accounts. He's got a new cat, hasn't he? Called Bolt. Did Bolt. you know this? Yeah, yes. I did know this, yes. It's a tiny little kitten. It did write, it wrote his Blood Red column on Friday for him, apparently. Did it? Anyway, as you can tell from those two voices, uh, joined with me are our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hi, Andy. Hi, am. And also Echo journalist and all-round good egg, Neil Jones. Hello. Okay. Hello, Neil. How are you? Very good. Very good. Uh, Andrew, how are you, in fact? I'm very well, thank you, Neil. Okay, that's okay. I'm just checking. Move just checking. on. We will move on. We'll move on because we're trying to delay because we don't really want to talk about Burnley, but we're going to have to because we've spoken about this a million times over, it seems. Both Christian and James were at the game. They both mentioned in their pieces that it was Groundhog Day for Liverpool. Uh, Andy, fair assumption? We've seen it all before, haven't we? Well, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> We've seen it all before. So, uh, yeah, variations on a theme. Um, and if you remember last week, I suggested I, I feared that we might not win this game. And unfortunately, and I very much wanted to be wrong, um, that's how it played out. And it obviously was a game that they could have won, should have won, um, but didn't win. And that's something that has frustrated supporters for uh, too long now. And that is why I think there was maybe a little bit of harsher reaction than you might have expected to a one-all home draw with Burnley. Um, Burnley are a better side than they were. Um, they even did, I think, three back heels on the trot during a passing move on Saturday. <laughs> uh, a back flick, certainly. Um, and they're organised and Sean Dyche has them doing, you know, they played six, strong six across the back and they were difficult to break down. But um, Liverpool, in that situation, needed to have one player to produce quality uh, to win them the game. And they had that in, in Mo Salah. But unfortunately, they'd concede it at the other end and uh, and that's, that's what's uh, really frustrating people because they can see the potential in this team. Neil Burnley were above Liverpool in the table. They'd already won at Chelsea and drawn at Tottenham. So perhaps Liverpool fans shouldn't have been surprised that Burnley were doing, would, would produce what they did. However, Andy said the point then, there was, a, there was for my money, a massive overreaction to the, to the result. What's your, what's your take on it? Uh, yeah, well, yeah I, think, I think that's just the way of, of football now, isn't it? Is everything is overreaction. There's an overreaction if Liverpool play well and there's an overreaction if they don't. And they didn't, they didn't actually play well or not play well at the weekend. They just played OK, didn't they? They were, they were just in between. I, I agree with you that no one will have been surprised. I don't. I don't think, even though I myself and I think James last week predicted that Liverpool would, would get the win. James always predicted Liverpool <laughs> would get the win. To be fair, but I, I thought he probably would get it done. But I think he did say it'd be two 0 two one maybe. But um, I think everyone expected it to be tight, maybe level at half time, maybe maybe one that needed patience, maybe maybe one that was going to be a bit of an ugly game to watch. But um, it's just disappointing. They just they just didn't they didn't take that second chance. And as Andy said, really, they did already. The last thing that they needed to do was was go one, to be one 0 down in this game because they know it was going to be hard enough to score. To score two was going to be just as hard. And that'll sound like well, what what why should you why should you say that Liverpool have got this player, they've got that player. Burnley don't get battered. Burnley, Burnley just don't get battered. They went to Old Trafford last year and drew nil nil. Got, you know, 
backs of the wall defensive job they, wherever wherever they they play they will put a, they will put a good shift in and they'll be well organized and they'll make it hard for other teams they might get a bit of luck along the way they did towards the end I thought with the penalty of the season and then the, the crossbar but you could also argue that Burnley would go away thinking, oh God, how close are we to winning that? Because they had two really good chances within 30 seconds of each other at the cop end. So <laughs> it could have been worse. Now, Andy, Liverpool in the last two home games, they've played Severe, who I think we all agree are one of the better teams better teams in Europe. And they played a Burnley team who Neil has just stated they like to get, you said six men behind the ball. I think sometimes it was 10, to be honest. Uh, they like to play defensively. You know, they don't get battered. Those two games Liverpool have had a total of 59 shots at goal, not all on target. Quite a lot of them, I'd imagine, were from quite a long way away and blocked. They've only scored three. The opposition have had 11 shots and they've also scored three. So while all the fingers have been pointed, or most of the fingers have been pointed at the defence, do you feel as though perhaps Klopp kind of suggested it after the Sevilla game, I think he mentioned it again after the Burnley game, that perhaps the attack needs to be a little bit more clinical because you look at some of the other teams, it's the fact that this one-all draw against Burnley came on the day that Man City went and won 6-0 at Watford. That's a Watford team that Liverpool drew 3 all with on the opening day and perhaps could have easily scored six themselves. Well, t- teams are very... Di- you, you see, this, you can't compare a team on one day and the other. Look at Arsenal yesterday. Mm. They, came to, they came to Anfield and were abject, weren't they? They were put away very well by Liverpool, they're abject. They went to Chelsea yesterday... And but you could where, argue, sorry to interrupt, you could argue that they learned from what happened at Anfield and changed, whereas Liverpool, and I know it was a couple of weeks to turn it around, but Liverpool played the two games against Sevilla and Burnley. And, and it's been similar in, in past games last season where they create an awful lot of chances. They don't seem to take as many as they should. I mean, you, It's a bit, uh, diff, a bit uh, ridiculous to say that when there's you a little, how many goals they've scored. Yeah, I'm giving a sneak preview of John Aldridge's column in tomorrow's Echo. Uh, and, uh, and he talks about the, you know, the need... John said it all summer while everyone was talking about centre-half. John was saying we need a centre-forward who will um, potentially get those goals. And you know, he talks about, well, you know, Solanke may be Comet, actually. Uh, and obviously he was the width of the crossbar away from, from getting the winner, which you know, would be a massive boost for him as well. That's one of the frustrating things. You could have seen that really kicking him on. Do you think but he should have scored? He should have scored, yeah. yeah. I, think it, I mean, it was slightly off the ground, but he does well sort of to sort of twist and turn but I think when you're there you should probably score but um, yeah you should but um, yeah I mean Roberto Firmino obviously and Daniel Sturridge were both on the pitch uh, on Saturday Sturridge had a couple of chances didn't he um, Klopp mentioned Sturridge in his press conference today suggesting that you know, on a normal day he would have scored a couple one of the chances I mean, he didn't have a massive clear cut chance I think, I think what he was saying Klopp was Positions he played in, he said on a, on normal day Daniel Sturridge gets a goal. You know he was always involved in the game. He was always in the centre of the goals. Really, I think is what he was trying to say. Yeah, and and so there is an argument that we don't have that striker who will kick you on twenty five goals. You know our goals will be shared around, um, and that that's a there's benefits to that. Um, but um, the big thing for me was in a game like that when you have to be patient, maybe. Uh, won't be much in it. That Liverpool had the star quality on the pitch to get one goal. Mosala produced it out of relatively nothing. But and so a really really good side wins that game one nil. Liverpool's problem was that they were ready one nil behind due to the familiar defensive failings. And you can go through the goal and Klopp did after his, the match on Saturday. Um, you know, obviously Trent gets out jumped for the for a lot for a long ball or a long pass as Dice preferred to call it. 
Um, and then the, the two centre halves, not quite sure what's going on there. And Andy Robertson could potentially have been around on the cover as well. So, and this is all part of that lack of communication. It feels like we haven't got a back four. And Chris Kirkland spoke to Jonesy and I about this in a recent podcast. Hope people uh, listen to on Nanfield Extra uh, about that need for having a, a back four that sort of understands each other in front of a goalkeeper. And we're he's fiddling about with the back four. Um, you can understand why. You know we haven't got settled right back. Um, Lovren had a sore back and couldn't play on on Saturday, so Clavan was in, um, and he's trying to drop Robertson in at left back to get him time while also using Moreno. So there are he has got things to juggle, which prevents him having that settled back four back, and then the back five situation because he's he's changed the keeper nine again too. So um, you can that's hurting Liverpool, and it was very evident in the second half when Chan and Clavan got in each other's way and gave away that corner that almost brought Burnley the winner. Neil, which defending was worse for the goal? Liverpool's defending for Burnley's goal or Burnley's defending for Liverpool's goal? <laughs> because Liverpool's was even more like just a straight ball, straight down yeah. the middle and Salah, great touch, yeah. but even one of the defenders was still facing the wrong way and running away. Yeah. So while it was good skill from Salah, you'd have to say for Burnley's goal it was a great finish as well from our field, great first time finish. Yeah, well. That Burnley, for all the great you know, defending, and they were getting praised. This isn't to justify what happened with Liverpool, but Burnley's defence was just as culpable for their goal as Liverpool's was for, for the Burnley goal. Yeah, absolutely. But Burnley, <laughs> Burnley didn't spend a trillion pounds on the yeah, defence. Quite. Yeah, quite. Burnley, Burnley's, you know, Burnley is not Liverpool. So you, the, the comparison is is smooth in the terms of we we, we wouldn't judge Burnley's strikers on. On how how many goals they get compared to Liverpool, so you wouldn't judge their midfielders on how many passes they completed. You know that they are without without upsetting Sean Dyche, which okay, seems to be very easy it, to do. But without doing that, they are a lesser side and they are coming away. So they they will Liverpool had to find a way of taking advantage of whenever they did make mistakes, and they are a well organised side. But they will make mistakes because they have got players who are at a certain level. You know Ben Mee. People like that, people like Tarkovsky, who's been in the championship until relatively recently. But Liverpool, I don't think they get enough cheap goals. Liverpool, they don't, they don't get, you know, they don't get enough ones where you think, oh God, imagine. I mean, Arsenal was, was an example of when they did of, of an example. You go, oh, how easy was that? You know, mm. Liverpool score lovely goals, and it's like, wow, what great football that was. They don't get too many. Where you go, what was that defender? You know, like, think, think of that. Think of, think of the goals at, at Watford. Um, lovely move for Mane. Mm. Lovely move for uh, for Salah to score with Firmino at the chip and then a penalty. You think of, you know, um, Palace was probably one. That they, they got one chance in the game. Really, one chance took advantage. They need to do more of that. Really, they, they need to they need to be in a position where the opposition are worried about them. All the time, and the opposition fear that they're gonna they're gonna score. I think, I think the opposition fear that when Liverpool's tails are up, they'll score, and when the tails are down, they won't. Does that come back then to Andy's point, or rather John Aldridge's point about the striker? Because if you've got a striker in there who can just get goals out of nothing, yeah. like someone like Aguero, someone like Harry someone like Lukaku, yeah. they can just kind of push themselves around and get in there for however way they make goals for themselves. Yeah. I still, I still think I think Salah will probably be Salah will be Liverpool's top scorer of the season. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm ready to take a bet now. 
I'm also ready to take a bet. They will, if he scores every month, he will get gold of the month every single month on the club website and player of the month as well. <laughs> yeah, we won't go into why again. How but, many of his goals will be <laughs> his right foot would be a more interesting yeah, bet. But, but listen, I think Salah is, is the right sign for Liverpool in terms of improving their productivity in front of goal. Even though people say he misses too many chances, I think the fact he is always in good positions to score goals, Salah, he's always... It's not a surprise when Salah scores. For me already, I think, I think there was a stat round about, and you'll correct me if he listens to this. I know he sometimes does. Dan Kennett, I think, threw a stat right that Salah actually chance conversion rate is right up there. Yeah, uh, so well, I mean, yeah. he's, he's always in central in front of the goal. He gets a lot of rebounds and things like that. You know, obviously he, he's got lightning pace, but I think Salah is like that. But I still, I still think, and it, it really like you know maybe I'm I'm wrong in this, but I still think it's a surprise if not a surprise, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect Firmino to score twice in a game, for example. I wouldn't expect Lallana to score in a game. Either. It's still a little bit of Coutinho scores. You think? Oh, it's probably a world. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, not. Yeah. He's not getting them to happen. Sturridge obviously doesn't play a lot. Solanke's yet to score for the for the first team. You know, Origi when he was there, you, it was sort of he, he scored in bursts. But you did. Liverpool don't have that player. If you weren't at the game and someone went to Liverpool winning two 0 you go all right. Well, Firmino will have got one of them. Mm. Like you know, if Tottenham, if Tottenham win three 0 you know Kane's got two. If Man United win four 0 look how many did Lukaku get? It was like City on the Liverpool. Don't have that. Yeah, you know Aguero was going to get. As soon as they came up, they scored. You thought that's going to be Aguero, isn't it? Yeah, and or Aguero or Jesus. Jesus you yeah. ask the question, don't you? Now a lot of people would say that's down to the way the Klopp sets up the team and wants to Possibly. play the game. But then he was at Dortmund. He had Lewandowski up front, yeah. so yeah. that kind of nails that particular myth that he doesn't really like strikers because no, Lewandowski, Lewandowski, yeah, Lewandowski <laughs> no. cannot be more. He's probably the best suited European strikers if he played in the Premier League because of his shape, the way that he plays the game, and what he could do. He'd be brilliant at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, well, thought, then, there are many. Harry Kane is is. I don't think he is. That well, you're right. Actually, it's a good point. Not, it's a good point because Aguero, Kane, Lukaku, they're not just three of the best in the Premier League. They're three of the best in the yeah. world. Yeah, I mean, what Liverpool really need is Daniel Sturridge of 2014, yeah. don't they? And the the frustration and the journey were it's a terrible word, but the path we're on at the moment is to see can Daniel Sturridge be that player again? No, he's 28. Daniel Sturridge, you know, he turned 28 two weeks ago, and um, he he didn't he didn't do bad at all on on Saturday, but the problem is that. Sturridge, you always feel, is he has to be measured by goals because he's he's not going to massively. Um, he almost set one up on Saturday, didn't he? Milner, yeah. on, yeah. uh, You're basically talking yourself out of an argument here. I know, but what I'm saying is, Daniel Sturridge. If we had Mark 2014, Daniel Sturridge, you'd feel he'd be with Mane on one side and Salah on the other. He'd be, you know, he'd be he would be a 20 to 25 goal. A striker, but, but you don't feel that's the Daniel Sturridge that is there at the moment. Say, so he's not, is he? So what do they do with him? And well, he's, no, he's not going to get any faster. He's twenty eight now. Um, but but and on the other side, of that is Roberto Firmino, which is what Jonesy was just saying is that he he's a very good player, isn't he? Technical player, fantastic. you know, can be can be superb. But he's he's not that sort of player you expect to be really high up in in. And this season will be maybe more telling than others because. If he does play mostly centre forward with Salah and, um, and Mane outside him, there will be no excuses for not getting, yeah. for me, twenty goals. 
Yeah. At the minute, most people would probably reckon he'll get about 12 to 14. So, sort of like, that's sort of his level at that throughout his career, isn't it? Mm. Is that he sort of gets decent figures and he pl- and, and he's, he plays really well and he facilitates other people. But And it's it's sort of a hard balance in that because you say, well, if he, if he just became a sort of penalty box predator, would, would you lose the rest of the game? I still think Firmino can provide what he provides and finish better and be more clinical and I think not to, again for me no isn't to blame for Saturday's result he did miss he missed a penalty against Sevilla okay mm-hmm. everyone can miss a penalty I mean he missed a sitter at Hoffenheim um, away in close range where I think he was pulled back to him by Moreno I think and he he should have should have put one he has got that you know you can remember what Southampton last season when he goes clean through in a nil-nil and it's it, it, it's it's easy to say but Aguero puts it in and Kane puts it in and Lukaku puts it in so Liverpool just don't have that one that if there's one or two chances, you think he'll be the one who gets it. Michael Owen, for example, Michael Owen at Liverpool. How many games? How many rubbish games did Michael Owen well, at Liverpool who's when the, they were rubbish the, yeah. and he won one 0 because a one one ball fell to him in the penalty area and he just put it in. Who's the better footballer, Fabinho or Owen? And you'd say Fabinho. Fabinho. But who's the better striker? Yeah, exactly. Well, there's, I mean, there's, that, there's that difference, it, isn't there? Yeah. And I do think there is a there is a move. There's always little trends in football that you move away from. So you had the false nine efforts and you had the sort of, you know, it wasn't all about that. But I still think there will always be a place. And Aldo, Aldo I imagine, would be thumping the table in their approval at, at this point. There will always be a place for someone who scores goals. And that's and that's their primary currency. And you, you look at, however much you might laugh at it, you look at why Bournemouth have signed Jermaine Defoe this summer. You can laugh at it and say he's 34 and he's got a two-year contract. He's on this much money. He'll probably keep Bournemouth up. Well, he just won them the game yeah. on Friday against Brighton, does with that finish? Yeah, and then after a bad start, yeah. they, you know, that could chip, that could kickstart their season. Yeah. With Jordan Ibe obviously oh, involved well, as well. But that, but we should say we should finish on that. Hopefully, Sturridge can be that man who can stay fit enough to play enough games from the start, or to come off the bench enough times to, to win to win games with, with his ability, which is what that what he is. He is that striker who. The question is almost: Can Klopp have? Does has he got not just the patience, but has he got the time to be able to leave Daniel Sturridge in there long enough to get fit enough, sharp enough to get to try and get back to where he was, um, and you know get some goals and get some confidence? Because if you get a confident Daniel Sturridge again. Um, you've got a hell of a player. I mean, he's, I, he's appeared in four of the last five games and started two of them. Yeah, and but he's not—he's still not where you think to yourself. That looks like the Daniel Sturridge of old, does it? I don't—I don't think so, anyway. Um, so it's interesting that we've, we've, we've probably most people would have been, come on to the pod expecting us to be talking about the defence more. Mm. We're obviously talking more about the. We've got to freshen it up, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to come on to the midfield in a minute. But, but I think genuinely that's because with the defence at this stage. You think there's not a lot he can do? Yeah, yeah. the players yeah. are there till January, um, and everyone's you know several people might be just going you know what about the centre half situation? Well, we know who the centre halves are. Um, he's got he's got three stroke four of them, and it's just going to be a matter of can they try and improve as he gets uh, more settled partnerships as, as they play together more. Um, and when we come on to talk about Leicester, of course, we, the, there might be the chance where he can maybe shake that up a little bit, but. Mm. Um, um, yeah, I mean the, the the defending hasn't been good enough. You know, Trent obviously was caught out on the corner with me getting free from him. 
Somebody had to say that. So. <laughs> that, the first, that, that the, 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 that was the first corner, by the way. I don't think he was Trent's man at the second one. There was a different. It seemed to be a different scenario. And it was him again. Yeah, I when, noticed. Um, and it, it was a positive sign in a, in a really negative moment. But I noticed Matip went absolutely berserk after he cleared that one off the line, and he. I think it was a clever, and I think he was saying. You're ducking. You're, du- you're, you're, you're not getting up. You know you're sort of you're ducking yeah. your head. That and I mean, if you get heaven advice off Matty, <laughs> well, he give him his due. He did brilliantly he did, to get yeah. back on the line for a centre out. It's not. It's it's usually a full back or a midfielder mm. who does the, the yeah. goal line stuff, and he he, he saved Liverpool there. Didn't he? And we he should say we should say about Trent as well that he almost went and won the game for Liverpool yeah. twice. Yeah. In that he had his his volley um, from I think it was Milner's cross, um, and he set one up, for and, and uh, he almost. Salah, wasn't it? Put, it was him who got into the box with a strange bit of skill, but it confused he, Burnley. He, didn't, he did a step over without, without <laughs> changing direction, and he just went straight. Yeah. But went, went into the box, and that's the sort of thing that he can do more than Joe Gomez at right back. Gets in there, gives it, gives it to Salah. There's probably a decent shout for a, I, uh, I, I for think, a pen. I think, it, I think it is a penalty. Yeah. Is, this, is this the me one? No, the, yeah, Salah, where he, he sort of turns away. I think... I think what Salah does is he moves the ball where the defender would have moved the ball. So I think that's why the, I think that's why it's not given. I think the, yeah. the referee probably thinks me he's got the touch. And to a certain extent, I think then, the fact that everyone was playing on yeah. and there was a big chance, and I think that almost yeah. you can see why it wasn't given. It, it probably but, is, but again, you know, ten seconds later, just to take it in the in the broad game, which I think was important. <laughs> going going in going into this game, and I, and I wrote it in the analysis on Saturday, like. They've been beaten five 0 by Manchester City. That that can happen when you're ten down to ten there and various. I didn't I didn't see it as anything other than a freak result. They had a home draw against Sevilla in a game they they should should have been out of sight in and should have won. But Sevilla are a very good side and very experienced in Europe and just had a, enough know how to get a result. Um, Burnley for me was a big game in terms of where Liverpool are at this season. And that's why, and I think most supporters out there knew that. I think most of them didn't think Liverpool are a five-goal worse side than Man City. They didn't. Um, they and and they they everybody who saw the Sevilla game knew they should have won. But Burnley was it was much more of a sort of litmus test of what this side is and where it will go this season and what they got and why they were so disappointed. You start the season, everybody, however much we don't want to think about, it, is can Liverpool win the league? And what what. Saturday's result told a lot of supporters was that unless they can hang in there till January and make changes and with results elsewhere on the weekend as well, they're thinking this Liverpool side is not good enough for that because the the old feelings are still there. And that, that's why you saw some anti Klopp sentiment emerge and that's why there was frustration with a lot of the players. Right, we'll deal with two of those points now. The first one about you saying that Burnley's a litmus test. I have to disagree with you. It's not a litmus test for the side. I thought it was a litmus test for the squad because Klopp, when he was obviously very unhappy after the game, he said, we made seven changes and yet we still played this kind of football, which I think we we all agree that going forward Liverpool created enough chances to win the game. And I think he was quite encouraged by that. I mean, look at the midfield. The midfield didn't have Henderson, didn't have Wijnaldum. Coutinho, we haven't mentioned him. He made his first start this season. I mean, what did we make of him? Yeah, um, I thought he loves shooting against Burnley, doesn't he? Coutinho, <laughs> he had one shot in the second half, which nearly went uh, up the ground. Nearly, yeah, um, 
and then he, then he took out a few cards in Stanley <laughs> Park. Then that, that one. But no, I thought, I thought he was. I don't know whether you read too much into it. I thought I think Andy said last week after the severe he looked a little bit unhappy. I think I think it was the word you used. I think it was unhappy or or not Mis- miserable. Miserable was the word, word he used. Yeah. Word. Um, and I still think he did play a little bit. To me, what he, what he looked, he, he looked quite sharp and he looked like he wanted to get on the ball, but he looked like he was still a bit battling with himself about hmm. something. And whether whether it, listen, you know. Let's not be. Let's not. We've been very sarcastic in this podcast about him over the summer. Maybe he has got a fitness issue or a, a fitness thing. Maybe he's got a sharpness issue where he's thinking he's not quite at it and he's getting a bit frustrated. But I thought he he just looked. He looked like someone who was lacking confidence to me. He looked like someone who didn't quite believe he was gonna he was gonna be the man, and he he, he wasn't the man, was he? In, in terms of that, but I I think if you look at it, if you take it in isolation and say, all right, well. Wiped them out about the draw. Seven, what, 78 minutes was it he got? Something mm. along them lines. Money in the bank. Back into the team. The, the moment's over now. He's had his reception. You know, we know that they're not going to boo him and, and, and kick off. I think it's it's positive that Liverpool have got another option in the squad now. If he was injured, as Neil said, we perhaps have to take that face value. If he was injured, he's shown in the past that it does take him a couple of games to, to, to come back to full sharpness. And don't forget, this was without having actually featured for quite a long time yeah. anyway. I mean, we saw that at the start of the year when he came mm, back from yeah. his ankle problem, didn't it? It took him a while to get going. I thought he looked quite good, twisting and turning everywhere, trying to get rid of the four. I think he was trying too hard. Um, a wee bit. Um, and there was a moment in the second half where he, he ran past three Burnley players, absolutely brilliant run. Yeah. And he ended up having a shot, which he was entitled to, but it was obviously a terrible shot. But... Um, he, as you say, he shoots a lot. Shoots a lot against Burnley. Um, Klopp used the word rhythm, which he uses a lot in terms of being able to get him back up to speed and getting that sharpness, as Jonesy calls it. And I thought he was quite, quite positive from him, really. And you know, on another day, you know, if he connects with one, flies in, you're thinking, you know, Coutinho's back and Anfield's loving him. He obviously want he wants to create that moment for himself where he can just go, right, that's all behind me. But I am a bit. Um, and this is sort of like he, he, Piercy, man, Piercy was in the mix zone afterwards and the players came through and he refused to speak to any English reporters and spoke to ESPN Brazil and that for me was a mark that he's sort of still still got a little bit of um, that he's been listening bit, to these podcasts bitterness basically. in him towards whatever's whatever's gone on over the last few months and, and you know, he, hasn't, he, he hasn't denied it though has he everything that we've that, was written was true. Nobody's no. He, he didn't deny it. He, he, admit, he, he admitted. There's, there's no. I don't think there's any doubt about the, the facts on this think, situation. Fabio was to defend the English media as an English media, but I don't think there's been any unduly unfair coverage of Coutinho. I think. I think if anything, the trouble if he's got troubles in his in his relationship <laughs> with people now, I think it's come from foreign media. It's come from. It's come from the likes of. The people Let, he, he yes, likes to speak to. Yes, the, it wasn't. It wasn't any media that stopped Liverpool from from selling him to Barcelona. It was Liverpool not wanting to sell him, and the club owners deciding they didn't need the 120 yeah. million or whatever was on the table. But I think maybe that just struck me as a little disappointing that you know he, that he doesn't speak directly to Liverpool fans through through the yeah. media here and and. Um, and wanted to, you know, 
bury himself with, with you know, with media from his own country or whatever. Maybe I'm being unreasonable. Maybe it's natural when things are a little bit. Another thing about Coutinho, back to the pitch, is that I, th- I still think Coutinho, the real judgment will come when he's got the two, the two players, doesn't he? The two targets to hit because Mane and Salah with Coutinho on the pitch at the same time will be something to be very excited about, I think. And, and that's when Firmino might come into his own as well. Exactly. So I think one way, if we can, if we see that four, and it won't be for a while yet, because obviously Mane's, I think it'll be next month, the earliest, won't it? Uh, or might, maybe Moscow, Moscow potentially yeah, Moscow, yeah. but not in the Premier League until next month. But I think when we see them four, I think, A, we'll see how annoyed Coutinho is or how, how down he is, because if he can't get excited about playing with them three in front of them, then, well, he, he really is upset. But I think I think them three might just bring out the what would you call it the the the, the best of it the boy in Coutinho the, the boy who just loved, wants to play football and get on the ball and, and and link up with people and don't forget he was playing in this new well new for him midfield role that you played in the last couple of games of last season which is what Klopp sees him as, as long term also in midfield Andy there was Emery Chan who was doing his impression of Emery Chan from about three years ago I'm afraid he was. He looked very leaden-footed. But James Milner was there as well, and I thought Milner did OK. Yeah, I think I think he did OK. I suppose that's... You can take OK either way, can't but you? Milner's, but Milner is the only now, you'd have to assume, given the fact he spent an entire season in defence, he's now the only Liverpool midfielder who's got any kind of defensive nous, any kind of sniff, sniffing out the danger. Because as much as we talk about Jordan Henderson as number six or Emre Chan, the, the, the natural... Game is to go forward rather than back. And yes, I think, but I think, I think Milner, Henderson adapted pretty well to the sixth rule in terms of reading the play. But, but surely, because Milner spent the entire last season in defence, he's going to be slightly, at least for now, better suited to that. Yeah, I mean, and there's an argument that says that he's the sort of solid character that probably this Liverpool backline actually needs yeah. at the moment. But that feels like you're taking a step backwards in terms of the overall progression of the team. So I think Klopp has parked that as being unfair probably to Milner himself. Uh, Milner, we know, will play wherever you play him and will do his very best. And we take that sort of consistency for granted from him, really. I thought he he did fine on Saturday without being, you know, a huge standout or anything. Um... But the position he was playing, he put in one great ball, that, didn't he, yeah, for yeah. Sturridge? That he, he, he yeah. nearly got the goal. It was a good block, wasn't it? It was a good strike. I think it was going in. Yeah. So good. You're good on him. You can imagine that he will turn up uh, against Leicester, wouldn't you? Um, in well, the, we'll in the in the League Cup. So um, yeah, it was in, it was a it was it was a massively frustrating game. But I, I had some sympathy for Klopp's point that you know you're down in the press conference afterwards, but. He said, you know, I, I can't think of the positives now because I'm still in one-all mood. But he said, <laughs> but it'll be very easy for me to think of quite a lot of positives tomorrow. And he tends, as we know, he tends to draw a line under it and move on in his way. But it's, you know. Now, about ten minutes ago when you first made the two points that I was going to mention, the <laughs> second one was you said there was a little bit of anti-clop sentiment. Yeah. Uh, somebody, I think, it, it went viral, as we say these days, on, on social media. Uh, which in the old days was somebody had a word in the pub. Um, it's called Klopp a clown, and basically said that you know get him out of the club. Now I put a tweet out yesterday saying I, I can't. I'll ask this question to you. I mentioned it regarding Everton and regarding Liverpool, saying I've not met a match-going Everton fan who wants Koeman out, and I've not met a match-going Liverpool fan who wants Klopp out. Now have yeah. you, Neil? 
No. He's like vehemently to the point where, no, yeah, that's it, you've got to go. No, I'm not no. saying like he's 100% I've, right. I've, I've, no, I've, I haven't. And listen, the the the, the guy who, who was on BBC Five Live who, who made the comment, let, let's get it out there now. He's entitled to his opinion. Yeah. He can say what he wants, and if and if he if that's his opinion, it's, it's fine. It's after, it, it, there isn't a problem, and I don't think he made. I don't think he was quite as crazy as he was perhaps portrayed in some some sections. That he was just this ranting. I mean, Robbie Savage was just like sort of laughing at him, but I think it was it was born out of passion. Mm. Okay, misplaced in some arguments, correct in others. So. Let's not. We're not laughing at someone for expressing an, an, an anti-Klopp sentiment or, or anti-anyone sentiment, but I think there has to be some. At some point, you have to grab all the people by the shoulder and say, "What do you want? What do you want?" Because Liverpool can't. Uh, Liverpool in the current form, with the Premier League as it is, and with Liverpool as it is, they can't be perfect. They but they are not going to be perfect. They're not going to win every game, score all the chances, and not concede any. What they, what they're trying to do and what they need to keep trying to do is to score more of the chances and concede fewer goals and that and I think generally I think there's been a sort of there has been an improvement in both both aspects if you think about what they were like when when Klopp took over from Rodgers they were they were sterile they they they'd gone completely stale in their attack and play they were losing game I mean they were, they were beating six one at Stoke. You know, before not shortly before Jurgen Klopp came over, they were they were booing at Anfield. People were booing in, in a League Cup game just before Jurgen Klopp took over. And I think if you look at what he's done since then, I think you have to you've got to make the point that Liverpool are in better shape as a club, as a team, as a squad than they were when he took over. And although it's been a poor week, that is literally all it's been this season. You know, before the international break, I think we all sauntered into this podcast and said, "Wow, you know what a what a great what a great win over Arsenal." There's there's Liverpool showing exactly what they can be, and, and I mean, essentially, since Sadio Mane was sent off at Manchester City, it's just it's just been a bit of a bad week. It no. could, tomorrow, Liverpool could, could go away, win win a nice game, go into the next league game, and win. You know, Champions League progression is still very much up for grabs, so you can't. You can make a point that you don't like some of the things the manager does, and I, I, I would agree with some of them. Um, I think substitutions is one, leaving them too late, for the record. But I don't think you can make a point about the the idea that he doesn't have a clue, or that he doesn't have an idea, or that he's not a good manager because he clearly, one hundred percent, as he would say, is. And Neil's right. Everybody is entitled to their own opinion, but that doesn't necessarily mean that his opinions are right. Not that opinion. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we're even having the discussion. No, I think we have to have this discussion because you can see the funny thing about we have to mention social media again because we're it's not part of our job. But this wasn't social media. This wasn't social media. This was a phone end, which has gonna, been going for years yeah, and years. And I was going to say is that he phoned up practically straight after the game, which he, we have to assume he wasn't at. And was, right, so he was probably watching. He could have been. He could have been. He could have been at the game, or he could have been listening to it on the radio, or watching the stream of it, or, or, or whatever he was doing. But social media allows people to vent, and their immediate reaction, as Neil said before, it's either like, oh, this is absolutely brilliant, we're going to win the league, or this is absolutely terrible, sack the manager. And I don't think we're ever going to get away from that, certainly not in the, in the immediate future. So No, but, but I mean, but it shows no understanding 
as Jones has just outlined about where the club was and where the club is and the trajectory of the club's on. No, I these feel people, these people don't care. They're not bothered where it's been. They want to know where it's going, well, and they, they want to know where it's going well, today. Well, well, but I, I think, and I don't want to go. I've got, this, I'm going to bring up. I'm, I'm going to go Christian Walsh and bring up a, a, a literary reference, albeit a football <laughs> literary reference. Look forward to this. But there's a, there's a section in one of the best books that's ever been written about football. It's Fever Pitch by Nick, Nick Hornby. It's about Arsenal, as we know. And it's sort of, it became a film that, that changed what the book was like because the film was not the same. Anyway, <laughs> there's a section in it talking about why people support a football club. And it, the conclusion is that it's a selfish pursuit. It's not, they don't support it to be part of a club. They don't support it to be part of a group. They support it so they can feel happy themselves and they can share, they can bask in reflected glory. Even Evertonians. Oh, I was going to say, well, or, or it, can, I think, I, it can be to listen, fit your persona. It, listen, could, be, it yeah. could be that if, if you support, not Everton, but another well, that, team. That's why people do it. And so, when you've got a social media where, let's say, in the past, it was about going into school or work on a Monday and your team had been beaten and you thought, oh, I don't want to bump into that Evertonian or that Man United fan or that Arsenal fan and have to deal with them because they beat us on Saturday. That's that. That's amplified now with social media and that you know as soon as you put your Twitter on, you're going to have these banter football accounts going, ah, Jurgen Klopp again, talking about his defence and, you know, roll eyes, emojis and what have you. That's, that's what that's become. So, so you can't escape from the, 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 the feeling of negativity to you, to, on, about yourself if you lose a football match or you don't win a football match because you think you see it everywhere you go. So that's why people now don't have that level of perspective because they want, they want to be able to enjoy themselves for a week and, and mock other people and, and, and you know, be top of the league or whatever now they can't because there's too much of it there's too much of football everywhere they go they'll put Sky, they'll walk past the pub Sky Sports News will be on talking about Liverpool's percentage of set piece goals conceded or whatever they'll be, they'll be reading Twitter and it'll be you know professional companies laughing at Liverpool's you know defending or laughing at, at Liverpool's the away pl- record the police the police Sting that that noise that that noise from social media that Jonesy's talking about there I think is one of the reasons Klopp um, had a very interesting chat with James Pearce and a couple of the national lads mm. uh, on Friday and I'm imagining if people listen to this podcast they, they'll have they'll have read that Discussion about um, the centre half situation and the fact that you know Klopp's phrase was we we've watched them all five hundred million times and there was no solution and I, and that, obviously that's not right there is there, <laughs> yeah. you know, there is a yeah, solution he's, but he's never he's, watched them five hundred million times no exactly <laughs> they haven't watched people five hundred and and there is a solution but to me and I mentioned this in the podcast last week anyone who thinks Jurgen Klopp isn't watching and can't see the problem, is off their head. Of course he sees it, and he knows it, and he's going to do something about it, and he probably just wants to scream, I'm getting Van Dyke in January, but he's not allowed to. And that is not an echo exclusive that we're getting Van Dyke in January. But believe me, Jurgen Klopp will do something with the Liverpool centre-half situation. He will spend money on it, and it is going to happen but obviously, people are frustrated that it didn't happen for the start of the season. Yeah. And the fear is that it will cost us too much by the time it does happen. But that's why he's frustrated. There has to, I'm absolutely certain that he knows what his solution is going to be. 
just to let everybody know who's listening that Andy Kelly has just changed colour momentarily. <laughs> he was yeah. he became yeah. very, very impassioned. And having, and having having sat amongst him uh, in this in this office for the last couple of days, he's been dying to get that off his chest. Well, and I apologise if it was people knowing that I'm too loud and jewelry was too quiet in this pod, so I should have sat at the other side of the room and You could have sat outside the, the room and we would have still heard it. Well, that's where I'm at on it. Uh, so, just to clarify, we're not having to go to social media. People use no. it because we all do. What we're just what we're just I'm, saying I'm, is that we're it, guilty uh, as well. We do social media thing. reactions. We do this, so we, we kind yeah. of this was the BBC. It wasn't you know. Yeah. This was, well, no, I think it was. Problem. I think it was more. It's the instant reaction. I think we're going to say the knee jerk reaction. Let's put it another way as well. It's not just fans; it's pundits as well. I think there's there's a generation of pundits who know how to get themselves. Further their career, and would, would any of them be called Chris Sutton by any chance? Well, you know, what? I don't actually. I, I, but I he's made the, Chris the, but the whole point. Yeah, he's made the name for himself. And like that, Chris <laughs> but there's the Savage, Robbie. You know, the people of Savage, you yeah. know, Paul Mason, who know what they're doing. They know that if they say something on a Friday, did you just say Paul Mason knows what he's doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I think he does. I know he knows the character he's playing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're not, and I don't care what anyone says. You're not telling me he can't pronounce. These players' names all the time. You know he's doing. That. He, he it's a, it's a shtick he plays. Chris Kamara did it for years. Jeff Stelling does it. It's they they are fully aware of how to how to get people talking, provoke debate. Adrian Durham's another one on Talksport. Or you know he knows he's Roy Keane did it last week. There was yeah. suspect that's just Roy Aren't, we, aren't we all guilty of doing it though? Because sometimes, because we because. You all reckon that I'm miserable, so I play up to that sometimes. Possibly, yeah, and maybe, maybe and we've got James as Mr. Positivity. Christine is our learned well, friend. Well, I don't think it helps. I don't. I don't think it helps when you've got people. I mean, I'll give you an example. An Everton example. Martin Keown on Thursday mm. said that. I guarantee this is the only time Martin Keown's watched Everton play, because why would Martin Keown be watching Everton play? He's he's always on for you know Arsenal games or big mm. games or whatever. He 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 said. Everton have got to drop Michael Keane, he said. And, I, and that was that was a story. We wrote the story because it, it was such a ridiculous thing to say. He was right, though, judging from how well, he played it. Was, was he? Would Everton have been better without Michael Keane in that team? With, with Ashley Williams and Phil Jagielka? Or well, he couldn't have cut the no, he said, but he, just, he said it and it became a big thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden now, uh, people are talking about Michael Keane in the Everton team. He's had a decent start to the season. And I think that's what people do. They, the agenda is set by... By the mainstream media, and that's match of the day, and that's Sky, and it's 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 the BBC or whatever, you know. And and I think if you're not if you're not particularly into reading about everything about football, that's where your form, that's where your that, opinion comes from. That that was always been the way. That's always been the way, no matter what. And it isn't just football; that's everything else. Yeah. And so in yeah, some in, exactly. in, in some respects, it, it, that's where social media and this this kind of thing has helped. Open things up a bit yeah, more, definitely. but when it comes to knee-jerk reactions, which I think was the point I perhaps should have explained a bit more, is that there's so much short-termism in football these days that Jurgen Klopp has signed a was it six six-year six contract, and everybody's happy, thinking, oh, you know, you know, he's got this long-term plan, and yet within five, six games of them getting into the Champions League, <laughs> people are going, oh, get him out, he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I know him, but look, I'm 45 and I can be patient for another few months and or maybe a year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, if if the short we shouldn't celebrate the short termism. There's enough Liverpool fans out there, and the vast majority of them are aware that the Klopp is building this team. He's putting brick in by brick in, and it, there's a couple of bricks he still needs. And there there's a frustration that those bricks potentially 
could have been bought in the summer and they haven't been. No, that's not to say there haven't been mistakes made, but I, for one, even though Saturday played out exactly as I feared it might, I still see that there's a real upwards trajectory. Neil Mellor said it in his echo column on, on, on Friday night, Saturday, saying most, you know, People forgetting we're going to Anfield. It wasn't quite like this on Saturday, but we're really enjoying watching our team play most of the time. And I, I certainly am doing that. I can remember, and everyone here will remember. I know Jonesy's spoken about this in the pod before. You used to go to Anfield sometimes. You weren't really looking forward to the game. There was times when you'd go out of loyalty and habit, you, and, habit and that's what you did. And you weren't really expecting to be entertained. And if you came away and you had been... Yeah. It was a, it, it, you know, it was almost a shock to you, and most times I go to the game now. Uh, yes, we're going to work and everything else, but I'm expecting to see something that would genuinely thrill me. That goal against Hoffenheim belonged in an art gallery. You know, that was, <laughs> that, that, that was a thing of absolute beauty. And, and just it, imagine and the severe one would have been just as yeah, good. And yeah. not only was it there to be seen. Everyone inside Anfield was there watching it being painted, and it was fantastic. And there will be more of those this year. And that you know, I'm staying positive with this team. There's pl- there's plenty of good things about it. Andy Kelly, there, ch- challenging the the spirit of James Pearce. Yeah. Right, we will look. We will be short termism now because we'll look ahead to Tuesday's game in the League Cup at Leicester. Uh, Neil, you were down at the press conference today with uh, Mr. Klopp. Yeah, uh, he confirmed. I believe I'm right in saying this, that Danny Ward will play in goal, yeah. Marco Grivich will play in centre mid, and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, to give his full name. Or, or, well, yes, <laughs> he'll play in centre-half, yeah. Well, Chambo, apparently, or Chambo, Chambo, I can't remember. Chambo. That's what his mates call him anyway. So, Alex, so he's, he's called Alex. Out, we yeah. said it was out. But what was Klopp's mood like, and what are you expecting from the actual team lineup? at I nearly said Filbert Street, the King Power Stadium, <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. Um, what, what I will say about Klopp is... Don't ever believe him when he says, I don't read what's written. Because <laughs> he made about five references in this press conference to things that people have said. So he said, you can't play three. He said, I, uh, the, the world is not ready for me to play a third goalkeeper without an injury. So he's, he's Not ready for this crazy decision. Yeah, crazy, crazy decision. He said that. I think he said um, something about, people want me to go up to Daniel Sturridge and tell him, how to finish, or I need to go and tell Dominic Solanke about how not to hit the crossbar. So you know, he's obviously talking about the, the ruthless element mm. of, of, of conceding. I think he was he was veering towards Andy's level of positivity. I think the word he used was, "If you look closely enough, you will find plenty of things to enjoy about watching this team." And he actually said that home or away as well, because he, he did he did reference the fact that he listens to the pod. Says yeah. that's how he described James Pierce. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Full time. Um, I, I think. I think he's. I do think he has genuine excitement about some of these players, and I think Solanke being one. I think Gruwich is another, and Gruwich is is one of mine. We all we all have those players, don't we? That that you 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 get behind. We we know how these is, don't we? We know we know. But I think Gruwich is one of mine. Where I, first time I've seen Gruwich, first three times I saw him, I thought oh, he's a player. He's a, he's he's a player, and I, I want to see him. I want to see him playing games for Liverpool. Because I think not only is he a good talent and good to watch, he's also someone who's got attributes that Liverpool will absolutely love if they can if they can harness them correctly. So I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow. 
looking forward to seeing Oxley Chamberlain getting a start because I'm surprised he hasn't started. I thought he would have started Saturday in particular. So I think as much as the League Cup's maligned, I think the best the best thing about the early rounds of the League Cup is you get to see players like this. And maybe a Danny Ings off the bench tomorrow, someone like that. Maybe an Ovi Ajaria getting another run up. Where Ben will burn again. You know how exciting it is to to, to any time we get to have a look at this fantastic young talent. I think I think it's an um, it's potentially an exciting game tomorrow because and this is the best best news of all. As Jurgen Klopp would say, Jamie Vardy isn't playing for Leicester, and, and if he was, Liverpool would get beat. And yeah. now he's not. Liverpool might win. Well, well, I'm going with the James to the King Power. And I hope James Vardy. Yes, I hope it's I hope it's an exciting game. I mean, Andy, what are we looking at in terms of? I was going to say the team lineup first off, but I'm, what Neil just said then about taking the League Cup seriously. I mean, me and you are from the generation where the League Cup was taken seriously and. When I was growing up, Liverpool were always winning. Yeah, some of the fanta- you know, fantastic memories people have of Liverpool doing well in, in that tournament. And uh, um, I'd say three key things for me. One, one is that it, it's a it's a trophy. It's a trophy, yeah. and you need to see this group of players win a trophy to 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 take that step forward together. And it'd be, it'd be a massive monkey off their backs, wouldn't it? You know, because it, it's it is. They've been to two finals. Not not everybody in this squad now, but you know the team been to two finals. Lost lost both. I, I think you're looking at a different bunch of players. It's all ifs and buts, and there's a reason why they weren't good enough to win that that League Cup final and weren't good enough to win that Europa League final. They still needed pieces to come in, but it would be massive for them if they were to win a trophy. So the League Cup is generally the easiest trophy in England to win if you're a Premier League club. So you know try and do everything to get through. Two winning on Tuesday um, will give you a big boost for Saturday. The psychological element of that is, um, yes, Leicester won't be uh, as strong on Tuesday as they will on Saturday. But if if our second team ish beats your second team ish, there's a general vibe that our 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 first team will be good enough to go and beat your first team too. Uh, I think that, and also the third thing I want to say is I think it's actually quite good for the Liverpool right at this moment to go. To an away game. Well, I was going to mention this. They've got an awful lot of away games coming up now. I think it's six in eight, is it? Yeah, six in eight. Yeah, and that's not that's not to say of we all know what Anfield can be for the team, but there's undoubtedly um, a nervousness. I sense that the the last ten minutes on Saturday, I don't think most people thought a winner was coming, and um, it felt like there was quite a few. Doubters you know, in the, that's in the interesting stadium. you should say that because I didn't think that. No, I think that's changed over the last you know couple of months towards the end of last season and this season. I don't. I haven't really felt that. There's been the groans, you know, such as when against Arsenal when Carrius was dwelling on the ball. But then that, no matter what's happening, there would still be those. I don't really sense the nervousness. I sense it was more frustration that they didn't think they were going to get the breakthrough, not nervousness that they might lose the game. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I agree, but I, I felt like there wasn't. It wasn't a stadium that was actually primed to explode with yeah, a winner, sucking the ball into you the know, And the way I sort of look at, I was half typing and half watching the way you do when you're trying to get things together. And I felt in the last five minutes, I was more typing than sort of. I'm looking with one eye at the game because I didn't really think that there was. I didn't sense there was a winner coming. That's sort of the way the parameter I use on it. Um, but I, in terms of going away. The away support Liverpool take is fantastic, and they're just—they're um, a bunch who will just absolutely get behind the team, which is, which happens at Anfield, of course it does. 
But I just think there's something about a sort of this is our gang and we're away and yeah. and and all being together in it. And I think to a certain extent that that will work well for Liverpool at this stage, especially with maybe some of the younger players come in. They don't have the pressure of playing at Anfield. They've got their um, bunch in the corner or wherever they are at the King Park. And I feel maybe it'll help Liverpool regroup and come together. Not only that, football-wise as well, it, it, it's, it'll do Liverpool good to have a team that's got a bit of expectation on them as well, a team that isn't, you know, it's a cup game tomorrow, so you can't play for a draw. But Leicester, we'd, I wouldn't expect Leicester to be going thinking... We'll just we'll just sit in our penalty area and, and and wait for wait for a set piece. I think Leicester will will give a little bit of uh... extra time and pens tomorrow, Jonesy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't say that. Well, please, yeah. don't, please don't say it, um... that. <laughs> <laughs> just to ruin Doyle's night. They will. Yeah, they will be required. Do, do you... um, no, I, I, I think it'll just suit Liverpool. We've got what we've got: Leicester, Leicester, Spartak, Moscow, and Newcastle. Newcastle next yeah. four. Um, I think. I think it'll, it, I, I agree. I don't, I, well, I don't want to give too much away, but I did ask Jurgen Klopp about whether it might be a good thing. It will be in the half ten stuff this evening. Whether the league, the league cup would be a good playing thing. away. Oh, playing away yeah. would be a good thing. Yeah. Now the league cup. Just to finish on this, I mean Mourinho with his first trophy he won at Chelsea. It's also the first trophy he won at United. Go through some of Liverpool's managers: Roy Evans, Kenny Douglas, second time round, Jared Houllier in that treble season, even Joe Fagan. It was all the first trophy that they won. So as Andy said, getting Klopp has got to two finals already. Got Liverpool into the Champions League. Great. He hasn't won anything yet, and admittedly, it is only his second full season, which I think a lot of people forget. But this is a very good chance, as you said, of winning a trophy. It's the first and, one they'll give out, isn't Yeah, and they've got under him. Okay, the, the initial rounds a couple of seasons ago weren't under him, but they got to the final. Last season, they got to the semi final. There's no suggestion he doesn't take this anything like seriously, but this is something where they can win something and get that first trophy. Definitely, and they've been handed a tough, you know, a tough first game in the, in the competition, but. Sides will go out, big biggish sides will probably go out at this, at, uh, in this round, and we've 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 got the chance to try and go and do a job on Leicester. Um, Fardy missions a big help. Uh, you mentioned Burnley being or being a sort of test of the squad. I think this is this is the real test yeah. of the squad, you know. And it'd be fantastic. Wouldn't it be great if we saw Woodburn take flight uh, in a, for Liverpool? We've seen him take flight for Wales. Let's hopefully he can do some. I'm expecting to see maybe a diamond. Uh, well, let's let's pick the team. Let's pick the team before we go any further. So we've got Ward in goal. So who's crossed the back four? Well, Klopp said today that he thinks Lovren will be okay. So I I think Lovren. So Lovren, Lovren will play with Gomez. No, it? I think Gomez will play right full back. Um, Clavan, you would think. Clavan, and you can pick one or two I think Robertson will probably get the nod what do you think let's have a vote I think Robertson as well so I'll go for Robertson yeah. Yeah. your point will be relevant anyway so, <laughs> so it's, Andy wants a diamond in there so yeah, I'm okay, going we'll to say Henderson at the bottom because mm. he didn't he didn't even come off the bench the weekend yeah. um, Woodburn on the left uh, Oxley chamberlain yeah. on, on the right yeah yeah um, and are we Gruage, saying, are we saying Gruage, 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 Gruage,
really want to see Gomez at some stage get to centre half, but I'm just not sure this is the right time to do it. Maybe if we were to get through this round and get a reasonable tie at home in the next round, you might see Gomez go and centre. Also, bear in mind against Vardy. Vardy is a different requirement to likely Slomani who comes in for 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 um, Vardy probably tomorrow night. So having a Lovren against a Slomani might actually be a, a better a better scenario um, than than having. Lovren up against or Lucas last season <laughs> up against yes. Right, I think that should do us. Uh, join us later this week where we will look back at the Leicester game and look ahead to the Leicester game. Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>